I would like to call this meeting of the Beautification and Environmental Advisory Committee to order Thursday, August 26 at 5 o'clock. And the first item of business, of course, is our regular item where you have a roll call and determination of a quorum. We'll start on the left, my left, with Robin. Here. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, sorry, you. I will call the roll call. Is it the pledge first? We need to say the pledge first, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I pledge of allegiance. I left. Okay, let's start over and let's stand up and pledge allegiance to the flag. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, that's the way we want to do it. Okay. So Just now that. we'll go to the next item, uh, which is the roll call and determination of a quorum, beginning at my left with Robin. Oh, no, you. That's okay. Mr. Partho? Present. Okay. Mr. Byer? Here. Mr. Knapp? Here. Ms. Mackler? Here. Mr. Side? Here. Okay, we have a quorum. Have a quorum. Everybody's here. Okay, so that's good. We've gotten those both out of the way. Let's go to the next item, which is approval of meeting minutes. These are the minutes of our last month's meeting, July 22nd. And if everybody took a glance through them, uh, and if anyone has any questions or comments. Make a motion to be improved as, uh, as issued. Okay. Okay, we have a, a motion by Bob. Second the motion. And we have the motion seconded by Ed. Any other questions, comments, or concerns? So let us take a vote on the motion. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? No, no. The motion passes, uh, or is that your job to call the motion too? It is actually. Motion passes five to zero. Okay. Thank you, Jackie. I'm not trying to usurp your authority. <laughs> That's no problem, sir. Okay. So then let's go on from here. And we have a, a number two is electric vehicle charging and green building incentive. Yes. And Good evening, everybody. Did everyone get a chance to take a look at the attachments? Yes. It, okay. I'll just briefly go over them because it, it was pretty substantial. There was a lot there. I wanted to provide you all with everything that we, that we had. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with this one. This presentation was actually given by FPL to a city council workshop uh, when we previously had proposed additional charging stations at the community center and at, at, at um, Holland Park. So this presentation was given by FPL, just kind of laying out the agreement that we were gonna be entering into with them, with them uh, providing the charging stations. Just some good information on electric, um, electric vehicles in general. This might be dated at this point. I believe the presentation is um, one or two years old at this point, so the data might have changed slightly. But just some general information I'm going to go through it really quickly just in case if you stop me if you have any questions obviously um, and this was a big thing there was no upfront cost to the city to install these charging stations it was going to be FPL who was installing them and they were just going to benefit yes 
Excuse me. I have a question. I'm, I'm looking at the one on the uh, with the dollar sign and it says no upfront cost. Now, mm -hmm. do you pay? You know, I see the cars parked out here charging up. Do they have to pay with a credit card? Not currently. This one out front is free. Right. Um, there is discussions um, of making it pay for charging, but as of right now, it is still free to charge. And what about like the ones at the say community center? Those would have been, um, I think, initially free, um, and then possibly being charged afterwards. And I, is there some at Holland Park also? Those were also proposed and were not moved forward with. Oh, that was okay. in the same presentation um, as the ones from the community center that this committee had previously seen. Um, so I'll bring that presentation <coughs> up next. But those were the ones that were proposed and um, council chose not to move forward at that time. Okay, thank you. So this is just a diagram of how the, the charging vehicles work. They park, obviously you've seen the ones out front, they work the exact same. And we had identified the charging locations. So that was FPL's presentation. Yes. I'll bring up the one that went to city council. So this is the one that I believe um, Denise Bevan gave before her um, promotion up to interim city manager, like I said, a couple years ago at this point. Um, this is a picture of the one out front. This was the data that we had on the dashboard. We have the one out front is from a co um, company called ChargePoint, and they have a dashboard that I can get into that gives us all the detail, how many people are charging, how long they're charging. This one specifically is um, how many greenhouse gas emissions we've avoided by charging electric vehicles. Um, that's like planting 62 trees. This has gone up since, again, it's been a couple years, more people are charging. We see cars out there all the time utilizing the charging station. So here we go, additional parks identified but requires infrastructure would be the Indian Trail Sports Complex, the, the Palm Coast Tennis Center and the Palm Coast Aquatic Center. So those were not proposed um, in this presentation for installation now. Um, those ones would need additional electricity provided there to put into the parking lots. Um, so those were further down the road. So this is just a graphic about, you know, how much um, electric vehicles uh, save as far as carbon emissions. That's another similar uh, graphic to what was on the FPL presentation. And then here we go, the parks team um, was in support of the community center, one dual charger, and at Holland Park, two dual chargers. Um, so that would have been, at the community center, you would have two parking spaces for electric charging, and then at Holland Park, you would have had four parking spaces for charging. So when you say dual charger, there's one on each side. What does it mean, dual charger? That means there's a plug on each side, so you have two parking spaces, but one um, charger in the middle. So this How long was the, does it take usually to charge it? It depends on what type of charger it is. So I believe the ones we were suggesting were level two chargers, um, which they're, they're a medium charge, so they take a couple hours rather than, I think it's level three chargers, which are super fast. Yeah. They maybe only take an hour or so, depending on the car. Um, our guest would be probably able to speak better to that than I can. He'll come up later. Um, oh. So these locate, this is the location proposed at Holland Park. So the solar canopies are already in existence, um, right up by the baseball fields. 
So it would have taken up four parking spaces um, there for the charging stations. So they're in prime locations um, in the park. This would have been the location for the one at the community center. Um, if you're looking straight at the community center's front door, it's around to the left um, where that parking is. Um, so it would have taken up two spots there. And then these were the difference, the different FPL commitments versus city commitments. Obviously we would have entered into a contract with FPL for the seven years. And here we go on October 24th, this committee actually um, unanimously voted support for the program. So this is way back in 2019. Um, and you recommended to city council to move forward, which we went to workshop and they chose not to at that point. So I just wanted to bring it back. Um, not so much to take back to city council, but to kind of go into the green building incentive program, which I'll explain next. This, I have one more. This one is specifically for fast chargers. So those are the ones yeah. um, that I said are level three that charge much faster, about an hour or two. Again, um, our guests can speak to how fast, but this is a separate um, graphic just about the fast chargers. So that was included in your agenda as well. Um, and then I'll go to, this leads me into the Green Building Incentive Program, which I've brought before um, this committee before. And it was talking with um, Dylan, our guest. Um, he came to, to City Hall and we, we spoke a little bit about charging stations. In revamping the Green Building Incentive Program, we both thought it might be a good idea to try and include electric vehicle charging stations in the Green Building Incentive Program. Um, if the committee wanted to revamp this, as I would like or hope, um, to possibly include incentives for either apartments or um, commercial um, businesses to include um, electric vehicle charging at their property. So um, that's all I've got. If Dylan would like to come up and speak. Hello. Mm -hmm. Name and address Hello. for the record, please. Uh, okay. Good evening. My name is Dylan Long um, and my home address. You can say FPC. Okay. FP, I go to FPC. Um, good evening, committee members. Um, so as she was talking about um, Green Building Incentive Program, from what I can see, it seems like it hasn't really been updated much since like 2014-ish. Um, and especially with electric vehicles and just sustainable technology um, in general, um, a lot has happened in that time period, like a very significant amount. So she had been, uh, Jordan had been showing um, some level two charging at parks and stuff, which is very, very, very cool. I support that a lot. Um, but most important for a more um, residential community like Palm Coast is to ensure that any electric vehicle owners can charge their cars at home. Um, because as she had said, level two charging can take a, a very long time. Um, so generally you use that if you just happen to be at a location. Um, it's usually just a nice thing. Or if you're in a more dense city, um, I actually own, we actually own two electric vehicles and you just charge them at home whenever you're, whenever you're home, the car is charging and it's always ready to go. Um, so the problem with that is that um, there are quite a few apartment buildings in Palm Coast and obviously there are quite a few more that are going up. Um, and to our knowledge, we don't have any charging policy in Palm Coast. Um, so first of all, to my knowledge, there aren't any um, electric vehicle charging stations um, at apartments right now. Um, but more pressingly, there's no real precedent for if a um, resident wants to have one installed. Generally, what happens is they would pay for an installation, but um, there can be policies put in place or just the, um, 
the owner of the apartment building can make it difficult to get that installation. And obviously, if you don't have a place to charge your electric car where you live, that can make it more difficult to want to get an electric car. So we had suggested looking at the green building incentive and seeing how we could revamp that, especially to include EV charging. Quite a few cities have looked at, depends on how aggressive you want to be with it, but a lot of cities have looked at designating a certain portion of parking spots in residential or commercial buildings to be electric vehicle charging. I don't think it's necessary for commercial buildings for here because, again, it's very residential here. But we could look at something like saying 10% of apartment building parking must have level 2 charging and 40% needs to have level 1. Level 1 charging is just a standard wall outlet. So pretty much any electric vehicle owner would be very happy if they just had a normal wall outlet next to their parking spot because they can charge. That will generally take 14 to 16 hours to fully charge, but those numbers come with a caveat. Usually you're not fully depleting your battery, and obviously you do that while you're sleeping. So usually level 1 charging is fine. Level 2 charging is usually, it depends a lot, but usually it's a handful of hours, 5 to 8 hours depending on the vehicle. And then level 3 fast charging, which was somewhat proposed by FPL, is more like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. It depends, and that's for road tripping. That was just a quick overview. So like I said, it would be cool to look at revamping building incentives and making sure that anyone that has an electric vehicle in apartment buildings can charge if they want to. I know that previously, a few years ago, we don't have many details. I know Jordan had said some owners, I believe it was a condominium or something like that, had come to her saying that the owners of the condominium would not let them install charging stations, and they were hoping the city could help with that. I'm not sure if that was resolved or anything, so it's definitely been a concern. And I also have heard that a new apartment complex has put plans in place for installing EV charging, but that's a new one and it's only one of them. But that's definitely something that people have been thinking about, and there's definitely a need for it. So I'm not sure if there's any, if you have any questions. Now you mentioned having like a plug for charging at apartments or condos, but would that, who would be paying for that electricity? Yeah. The apartment complex? I mean, how would that work, just having a plug there? Generally, I don't know all of the specifics, but generally apartments will, if someone has an EV, especially if parking is paid for or something, but generally apartments will work with the person that has the EV and have like a special plan. I think usually it's per month, so they'll say like, okay, $20 per month and you can charge unlimited for the whole month. But you can also, if it's a charge point, if it's a level two installation, like the charge point one, you can easily track how much energy they used and bill the resident, or you can just do a per month fee. But residents would expect to have to pay for the electricity, and it would be a bonus if the apartment did, but they don't mind having to pay too. Yeah, and it just kind of depends on the installation. Usually a flat monthly fee is the easiest and acceptable. So now, in an apartment complex, so you'd have designated spaces, but then how do you get into, say I'm in that apartment and I pull in with my vehicle and there's no place to park, I'm going to park in that spot, and I'm not, I mean, don't you get into some issues that way, or 
how are you going to handle that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, this would be details to look into, but um, generally you would have, just like the, um, the signage out front, you have EV only parking. And I would assume, um, I mean, we would have to take care if parking lots are generally filled. I'm not sure if that's usually a problem. If that is, that would be more handled. I would guess that generally there's parking spaces available in apartment buildings, um, but that'd be something. Get into some fights or something. Right? <laughs> that would be definitely the responsibility of the apartment complex, yes. whether they want to allow towing mm -hmm. for cars that are parked in EV, like it's saying, you know, cars parked in a handicapped spot mm -hmm. that are not handicapped. You can, if the apartment complex chose to, they could probably tow those vehicles oh, wow. um, if they wanted to. That's right. Really? That would definitely be the extreme version yeah. of it, or they could just put a notice, hey, you're not an EV vehicle, you shouldn't be parked here. Um, but that would be up to the apartment complex how they want to deal with to, that. You know, you can get a ticket if you're in a handicap, but you don't right. wouldn't get a ticket if you're in an EV spot, it I depends guess, on the unless policy. they enact the new laws or something. How are these spots monitored? I mean, who, I mean, someone could come to work here, mm -hmm. park their car there, plug it in, leave it there the whole day, and then uh, when they leave, just uh, leave, and that doesn't allow any other person to. People do that. Um, that we've seen park cars parked there all day, um, just charging, and it's because we have a level two charger, so it does take a while for the cars to charge. Um, if the fast chargers usually take a shorter amount of time, so most likely people wouldn't be parked there that long because their char their car has already been charged um, a lot quicker. Yeah. So it, it really depends on. Um, how much charge they need, how fast the charger is charging for them. Um, but we do see people parked out there. So right out here, sure. yes. so I think we've I've left at meetings and there's been yep. cars yeah. parked. I kind of so the rest of the parking lot is empty. Yeah, I know some of the owners. Um, that it, it can be a concern just in the broader EV sense. Um, but on level two chargers, like she said, because it takes so long to fully charge, yeah. um, they would do that. However, that's only because this one is free. If it was paid, people wouldn't do that. Um, it's uh -huh. because it's free. Are they all free now in town, um, in Palm Coast? Not that I'm aware of. I believe I, the one here at City Hall is free. I think there's one over um, on Colbert Lane in the Creekside Commercial Complex, but I believe that one you have to pay for. Yes. Um, I'm not aware offhand, besides the Tesla chargers <laughs> at Wawa, of any others. Yeah, those are the only ones. Yeah, now, now that that's what was another issue. There are some vehicles, like Tesla, mm -hmm. that they have a different system or something. Is that correct? To an extent. Not every, not every vehicle, there, there isn't a standard. Is there a standard? Yes, um, there are multiple standards um, for level three fast charging, like the Teslas there. There yeah. are multiple standards. Um, for level two charging, level one charging, so slow chargers that we're talking about, everybody uses the same standard pretty much. Even the Teslas, all Teslas come with an adapter. So the charger that's outside City yeah. Hall, it's called J1772, and every electric car can charge off of that. So there is a standard, essentially. Oh, mm -hmm. very and good. Like I had said, um, there is the problem with people sitting here. Um, that's because it's free. Um, and I mean, they are taking advantage of it, but it is free, so might as well. So the best way to negate that um, is depending on, I mean, what, what you want the purpose of that charger to be. Um, yeah. But the best way I would suggest is to make the first like two hours free yeah. and then start charging. You can do that in some yeah. places. Or just put it so you, you get four hours of charge yeah. and then it turns off. Exactly. And generally EV owners are very nice and it usually tends to work out. Um, depending yeah. And on I can something. control all of that via the dashboard. Like I said, there is a discussion about making those 
the one up front um, you have to pay for. There's a discussion going on right now, and I could control that via the dashboard. So we could make the first two hours free and then charge after that, or first three hours, or however. We're having currently an internal discussion uh, about well, that. Well, that's, uh, that, that's, that's the thing, is that as we see more mm -hmm. electric vehicles coming on, and, and I think it's said here, one out of every five, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that that will be the case by 2030, perhaps more. Uh, and uh, if it's pushed or if there's any type of incentives for that to happen, there may be even more. Mm -hmm. There will be a need uh, even more so for those fast charge and, yes. uh, and more so, charging stations. Uh, one thing to consider, because all of this is difficult to wrap your mind around even for me, and I'm, I'm involved with this a lot, um, but about, I think it's like 85 to 90% of the time EVs are charged at home. Um, and like I said, this is a residential community. So there really isn't much of a need for level two charging. Um, so, I mean, the ones presented at Holland Park and stuff, those would be super nice, and I do definitely approve of them and would suggest moving forward with them, but it's not a necessity. Um, that's why I'm more concerned with apartment charging and that kind of stuff, because that's more of a nece uh, necessity. So yeah. everyone should be able to charge um, at their house, and then the only time you really need to rely on public infrastructure is when you're going on a road trip, and those are the fast chargers. In a more dense city, like New York or Boston or something, um, no one, like everyone's in apartments, so that is where it plays into more, but here it's not that much of a concern. Um, Yours a level one at home? Um, yeah, uh, well, we have a Tesla Model 3 and I have a Nissan Leaf, um, and if I charge my Leaf at home, I charge on a level one, but we got a NEMA 1450 outlet installed, so I, we charge level two for our Tesla, sure. and that's eight kilowatts. Um, and the level, the level one from my brother's experience takes the better part of a lifetime to get a full charge. <laughs> yes, so I, I plugged <laughs> him in one one weekend on a Sunday, and I think he said he overnight he gained thirty miles of ability to move his vehicle. It depends. That's it. <laughs> but we did have to travel to Port Orange. Yes. To a high speed mm -hmm. uh, plug-in, and his Tesla charged fully in an hour and ten minutes. Tesla and needs something. Two lattes. So there needs to be a standardization of yeah. the charging abilities. There's the level a, one to level two, you plug it in and it charges any uh, electric vehicle up at the fastest rate it possibly can. His Tesla, Wonder what, has to, what okay. he said, he has adapters. He can yes. go one, two, or three. Mm -hmm. And he's yeah. almost, his Tesla has the, uh, I'm sure that you know this already, mm -hmm. it has the, uh, computer chip that tells them where yes. level threes are yes. on his ride from wherever he goes. Yes. Huh? So and pull in. So he pulls into the one with Starbucks next to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> stops in for he stops and has a coffee. Latte. Uh, he gets a hundred miles or so. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. at least. Yeah, so it, it's all very there's a lot you can delve into it. Um, so if I say things like it, it's difficult to say a concrete number because it depends a lot. First on like the battery size of the vehicle and also the speed of the charger. Um, but generally level one charging can work for pretty much everyone. If you don't drive more than I would say like 40 to 60 miles per day, which most people don't, then it will be recharged by the time you go. If you plug in at 5 p.m. and then you go at like 8 a.m., you'll be good. Most EV owners will get some type of level two charging, which is either a unit um, kind of similar to the one out front directly hardwired into their breaker box or they can do like what we did and install a NEMA 1450 outlet. It's the same outlet that RVs use to charge um, and that gets installed and then you can plug into that. 
Um, level one charging poles, one kilowatt. Level two charging can pull up to like eight to 12 kilowatts. Um, and then level three can go up to 350 kilowatts. Um, oh. And level three, it depends a lot of factors, but usually it's between 15 and 45 minutes. Um, and that's again, when you're on a road trip. So it is definitely slower than gas, but it's quickly coming, uh, catching up and it's, it's well, definitely- These stations manageable. I believe are a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you're right. I think they're a great idea. We support them. Uh, yeah. We have in the past, anybody uh, uh, like to comment any uh, on that? Uh? I do have a question mm -hmm. um, around the area. Mm -hmm. I know you said this one is free. The other one's going up, person will put in their credit card or whatever. Mm -hmm. Does that uh, amount of money change versus what level you would have out there? Like, if I would assume the, I mean, you might be able to speak to this better. I would assume the level threes are more expensive because they're charging a lot faster. Mm -hmm. um, and usually, um, I don't know if you put in a credit card or you have an app sometimes, but yeah, I would, I would assume in, is that correct, Dylan? Yeah, level threes are more expensive. Um, yeah, there, there's two. There's basically what the actual consumer will pay for it and then what the um, uh, person providing the electricity will pay for it. Um, for level one and level two, the person providing the electricity will be the same amount. It's built per kilowatt hour, um, which here residential, it's like 12 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, so some quick math, that one is a um, six kilowatt charger. So in an hour, it can deliver six kilowatt hours. So in an hour, uh, 12 cents times six is, right. um, so like 70, 70 cents. Um, so generally it's per kilowatt hour. Um, however, when you get up to fast charging speeds, um, it's difficult to provide that amount of electricity. So sometimes FPL and other companies will charge more for that. Um, and then consumers are used to paying usually two to three times the amount for a fast charger than they do for a level two charger. Um, so yeah, and generally EV owners are used to um, paying, especially for level three, it's very rare to encounter a free level three charger. Um, and generally in like a residential community like that, this, everyone charges at home and then level two chargers, um, if they're free, then they're used. If they're not free, then it's kind of a convenience thing. Um, but if it's um, more expensive than charging at home, then it wouldn't make too much sense to charge there, obviously. But Thank you, and I have another question. Mm -hmm. Back to the apartment slash condos. Yes. Um, who I know FPL would install these, mm -hmm. but is the city of Palm Coast um, have to do anything with them, or does it have to go through them before the apartment complex puts them in? Or well, so we the city probably wouldn't be putting them in apartment complexes. We were focusing more on our parks okay. and things like that. So apartment complexes would have to deal with on if they own. wanted to work with FPL, deal with it th themselves. You know, I could be mistaken, but I believe my brother told me, he lives in Delaware, that the state of Delaware doesn't charge him anything for charging his vehicle. The state of Delaware, so he gets a, a, a break from he gets Delaware. He gets a perk. Is yeah. encouraging, that's one way that they are. Yeah. That's an incentive, say, that Delaware has. Now, that's what uh, you were talking about, Jordan. Is this something that we would want to... Uh, go forward with our committee here uh, as far as adding to the green incentive that, program that that's we what I'm support that's more? What I'm yeah, I, I'm suggesting maybe we provide incentives to um, developments um, that put in electric vehicle charging stations um, <laughs> as part of their parking or as part of their plan, um, figuring, figuring out some way to incorporate that into the green building incentive I think would be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? I think some, some type of incentive uh, for
for them to do that, why not? I, mean, I, you know, I think it's a great idea also. Recommend that the city not charge anybody for charging their vehicle at any of these stations. Well, we don't charge. We don't charge way for of doing the incentive. That's we don't charge for electricity. That's FPL. You mean forever? Well, what, what, pardon? No matter what station they go to, they will never have to pay to charge. Oh, you're talking about on our personal stations. That the city would. At our parks. The city would always provide these services for free. Okay. Like well, that is an here. idea. We're, well, I was talking more about the incentives for for construction, not not so much the oh, city like, parks, but okay. for residential construction, commercial construction. That's what the green building incentive program is is geared yeah. towards. Yeah. So if we uh, support this and said we would like to the city to go forward with some type of incentive or add that to the green incentive program, is that? What we're talking about? Uh, well, that's actually um, this committee coming up with ideas and yes. you okay. yourselves editing the Green Building Incentive Program, and then I take it up the chain. Yes. Yes. Well, I think then that's something we would want to do. Uh, what do you think there, uh, young man? Yeah, and I mean, if I can help in any way, um, yes. I would love to. I was talking to her because I was seeing there was a request out for people to join. Um, Committee. I'm not sure because I'm not quite 18, but that's something I'll be pursuing um, after. I'm also going to be leaving for college in a year, but um, any way I can help, I kind of came here because this seemed like a next step in trying to help with that. Um, and like we've been talking about, I think a, a very good thing would be um, an incentive for apartments to install chargers, because especially especially new um, apartments, because it yep. can be much more expensive to install. Yeah, the retrofitting is always a yes. huge grade. Definitely. Of, of, and when we expense. seem to have so many coming up right now, and I'm sure in the future yep. there will be even more, it's definitely There are apartment complexes planned mm -hmm. for the northern part of the city also on Matanzas, mm -hmm. Woods Parkway, and Beltaire. Mm -hmm. There are several apartment complexes planned for up that area, and uh, there, I'm sure there'll be more. The, we, mm -hmm. I'm just reading Seminole Woods. Uh, mm -hmm. has, so th this is the time to do that. Awesome. Now, uh, I, I don't know. What do we do? We need to do anything, or just no, give no, our no encouragement to it? Or just maybe take. Um, I, I believe I've sent you the link before to the Green Building Incentive Program. I can send it again. Maybe just take some time um, over the next month to look it over and come back with yes. ideas of things you would like to change about the incentive program. Yes. And then we can maybe have a workshop of it of the different ideas. I'll take down notes. Yes. Um, kind of compile everybody's ideas of, of changes, and then we can continue working on it. Yes, well, I think we should do that uh, and, and on this. Now, I have an item on the green incentive program that I would, was going to talk about tonight in my section. I don't know if we want to go with that now. It's not the uh, vehicle charging. But before we leave that, I, I, could you, what, you, you seem very uh, intelligent and very uh, aware of this. Uh, well, thank you. What, what is uh, your, what, what do you do, uh, your, Student? Yeah, I mean, I'm a senior at FPC. I'm senior at FPC, right yep. next door. Yep, right, right, right over there. Yep. <laughs> right next door. You're very good. Yeah. And uh, how how did you get started? I mean, I we could just take a moment. You're, you're <laughs> very uh, good speaker and uh, well, seem to be uh, knowledgeable <laughs> on this. Well, this is um, I don't know. It's one of my favorite topics. I mean, most of my free time is just spent keeping up with sustainability and electric cars and that kind of stuff. I mean, I was never into cars, but I'm very into electric cars. Um, 
and all of the infrastructure and logistics behind that. Um, and I just saw that our city does promote a lot of green and um, building green incentives and that kind of stuff. But I also kind of saw a lot of, there's not been too many updates since like 2015, um, 2016. Um, and I felt that there was a lot more that we could do. So I've just been trying to figure out how to help. Um, a few, two years ago, I think, before COVID hit, um, I was working with the former principal at FPC um, to look into- The former principal, the principal that died? Passed that, away. Oh yes. my goodness. Yes, um, we were working, so that was a very unfortunate loss. Um, it was, yeah, I, I liked him a lot. Um, but anyway, we were looking into electric school buses because um, the state of Florida has a significant amount of money. I think it's $1.1 million allocated for converting um, old diesel buses to electric school buses at pretty much no cost to the district. Um, you just had to apply. I don't know if we would have qualified, but I was meeting with him and then I met with the transportation district heads um, and they basically were like, no, we don't want to do that. Um, and I was like, but it's free, we can just apply. Um, but anyway, then COVID <laughs> happened, so I-, I um, People don't like free things. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wasn't able to do much um, for a bit, especially because my primary contact had passed away. Um, and then I started to look into city stuff and I met with um, Jordan uh, a few weeks ago and then she informed me of this. Um, I've come here. I'm just trying to kind of find the best way I can help in the next year that I have here. Um, Are you well, in the I3? T3 program, what's that called? The I'm in the IB program. IB. I know there's an I3 and an IB, but IB uh -huh. is the International Baccalaureate, yeah. Huh. Very good. Huh. Was there any mention of buses turning, uh, getting fueled by gas, natural gas? Um, there is funding for that, yeah. Um, I would still push for fully electric buses, um, but there's definitely, I believe the way, because the funding came from VW um, with the Dieselgate settlement. I'm not sure if anyone's aware of that but Dieselgate got caught cheating on emissions and they had to pay um, a lot of money to each state and then that state got the funding split up into different things for Florida. It was like 80% electric school buses and like 15% um, charging infrastructure and 5% something else, something like that. I'm not yeah. sure the exact numbers. Um, and I believe they worded it as just alternative fuel. Um, so I think um, natural gas and um, there were a few others, but yeah. the electric one was the most yeah, but I, I, I think really the electrical is the, is the way to go because Definitely. natural gas is just another step in the way of the emissions. Why don't we, I, I, it's true that it would be a cleaner sure. uh, a, a vehicle, but if we're going to make a jump, <laughs> maybe it would be to go to uh, the, the electric vehicle. Uh, if there is a program and available that, that could do that, Certainly. I, you know, these vehicles, I don't think they drive a lot of miles at any one time. Uh, but then again, they must have a larger engine in them than that would require more. But these are all uh, uh, combustion engines, so they are gas-powered engines. There would have to be a, a changeover when the buses need to be retired and uh, new buses purchased. Yeah, Is that it, was, it was gonna be new buses. Um, there mm -hmm. are some conversions, um, but when you just convert a gasoline vehicle to electric, um, you don't get as many benefits um, because when you design a ground up system, like you get m significantly more safety benefits um, and a whole a efficiency and a handful of other things when you just design up. Um, I don't think F uh, the settlement had provided funds for a conversion. It was just buses that were like over a certain mileage and years 
then when they were going to buy new ones, then they would replace them. Um, there's something else I was going to say, but I can't remember right now. But That's enough. That's very good. <laughs> no worries. I don't know, you've done very good. You're an expert on this at, at a young age. Stick with it. Uh, in addition to it being something very interesting, it's making your future a little better, hopefully. <laughs> well, thank you. I did remember, um, I was going to say, with electric school buses in particular, um, as opposed to with um, natural gas, because the buses, like you said, don't actually do that many miles, and most of the time they're just sitting down, um, there's a lot of energy in those battery packs, and you can do what's called vehicle-to-grid, where um, basically they act as a giant battery for the, the grid. So when electricity demand is high, you can pull energy out of the battery packs instead of turning on a peaker plant or something like that. Um, and when electricity is low, um, FPL can put energy back into the battery packs um, while the school day's on and the buses aren't used. That doesn't make as much sense for passenger cars because they're used so much, but buses especially make sense. And I believe Palm Beach um, was one of the recipients. And actually, no, uh, FPL did a partnership with them, um, and they purchased, I believe, five electric school buses, and they've been doing vehicle to grid. I attended one of their like seminars, but there's not much information about it. Um, but uh, West Palm Beach is definitely doing something with electric school buses. Um, so that's cool. That's not something yeah. related to this meeting, Pretty but um, just an interesting Very thing. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's great. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and thank you for uh, coming here and presenting this. And I'd like to just ask you to maybe stick with us on yeah. this. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we are dealing with it, yeah. to come back and, and join in and, and help out because you, sure. you speak very well on this. So maybe you could... Uh, could do that. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm not sure how all the formalities go, but in any way I can help, um, let me know, especially with um, increasing the, the speed at which we um, do things and get things pushed. Well, um, I think that's yeah. a good thing to do is increase the speed because mm -hmm. things yeah. tend to move very slowly. Very slow. <laughs> the wheels of government They need a push, a push by the younger generation. Yes, well, I like it. We should make, why don't we make him an advisor to us? <laughs> I, yeah, he could be I, a, I, I, I think advisor. that's a great, uh, great idea. You've done a, Does, a very good him, job. Just a, uh, let the school know, let FPC know that he's an advisor to the beautification committee. And that we're behind, uh, we're behind you and you uh, we, we want to go forward with this. Is there awesome. any, uh, anything, uh, in the any rules or any regulations with the I mean just a, a rather informal type of uh, advisor there is no there's nothing in the ordinance that says you can or you cannot have advisors usually staff acts as your advisors um, in this case if you're willing to assist through a workshop or whatever Jordan and the committee come up with in terms of a schedule, certainly it's open. Workshops are open to the public, and so you would be an active member. But um, and you know, in any papers you draft or whatever, you would cite the advisor and. Okay. Awesome. We do that? Well, Sounds you. very good. Right. Excellent. Sounds awesome. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. you might want to stick around because well, uh, I'm yeah. going to speak a little bit on our next issue uh, if we could switch things, uh, Jordan, if that's okay, from uh, going on to the next item, which was the Arts Commission and Sculptures to the Climate Change and Sea Level Rise.
Um, but do we have to have something to switch the order? Can we do that? No? Okay. Go ahead. Chairman can do it. Okay. I'll <laughs> hit the gavel. <laughs> Well, I'd like to give everybody, and Jordan, one of them, one, a uh, copy of a little proposal that I put together, which had to do with, and this has to do with what we've been speaking about for quite some time. So I, you know, I, I was thinking about it, that the, the BEAC has for some time taken a position on the growing threat of climate change and all the negative factors that go along with it. And many of them will affect the residents of Palm Coast. Now, uh, just recently, there is a international agency called the IPCC. It's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and they put out a report. And their 2021 report the climate experts are calling the current situation a code red for humanity. And they're warning that there's disasters ahead if we do nothing regarding the world's climate. Now, prior projections called for a long view of events taking a turn for the worse. Now we see the time frame has shortened. And it is a crisis that could be ignored, but doing nothing as we see, leads us down a path of a future instead of better, maybe worse than at present. So we want to make sure this young man has a good future. So therefore, in the aftermath of the pandemic cancellation for a year of our regular BEAC meetings, it's important for us to move ahead with our recommendations. So I uh, want to present one recommendation here today that we can do, and maybe other ones as we go forward. I don't think these recommendations are any are anti-growth or anti-business. On the contrary, I think that many of the businesses that are going in today, right now, in our growing community will be here by mid-century, 2050. They'll be here then. Then they may be here by 2100. So, we know now that a lot of these changes, these green incentives, for retrofitting, as we've just said, that it's much more expensive to have to do that than to be put in now. And if we can offer some type of incentive, that would be great. So the incentive that I'm calling for has to do with uh, some element, the, the, the recommendations that all businesses provide some element of sustainable development, carbon emission control, green technology, water use reduction, energy system efficiencies as part of the construction approval process. And now I go into what I passed out for everybody and I again go over with what we've seen, the temp temperature record busting heat waves around the world, uh, Greece had the highest temperature ever recorded in Europe uh, this year, ever in history. The droughts, the fires, uh, it, it, it all, and what we talked about at the presentation, this was two years ago, I guess, uh, carbon, methane, nitrous oxide, the three major greenhouse gases, those little graphs that we all looked at with going up and up, they haven't 
it, it, unlike the pandemic where there have been a dip and now that may be going up again, they, these are kept keeping going up. And they, they talk about, as, uh, for example, the Northern Hemisphere has already risen one and a half degrees Celsius in temperature. That is two degrees Fahrenheit. That's the average temperatures. This is what it's doing is, if we can look and see, the Arctic ice packs are melting, Greenland is melting, it's melting away. So what I'm stating here is one of the ways, as I say down at the bottom, the bottom paragraph, one of the ways a new community like ours with business and residential constructing occurring and having the other necessary necessary resources for continued construction activity would be for us to serve as a model of community for energy and carbon emission reductions and for our new businesses to adopt the techniques now that will be possibly be required and at the very least at the very least demanded by the public as we watch in horror the effects that are only beginning of what climate scientists tell us now will be a century of increasing droughts, fires, flooding, massive storms, and all the rest. So many businesses, many uh, communities are doing that right now. So on page two, I say in that regard, what the BEAC may want to recommend is that all new business development undertake the installation of some elements of green technology in their design and construction procedures. And we will urge the Planning and Land Development Review Board to call on Land Regulation Board, to call on city staff to outline a group of requirements with the approval of the city council that businesses utilize elements of sustainable energy, carbon emission reductions, water usage efficiencies, and others in all new commercial construction. So what we would like to request is that the city staff review other city policies and develop a package of green incentives that would encourage business construction to utilize what is now a minimally used city incentive resource program, such as, and two of them that I just came up with, would be one like a percentage reduction in property taxes for a period as an incentive, something like that. Or another one could be energy reduction and increased efficiency equipment installed receive a depreciation allowance for a period. I don't know what the requirements are. I don't know what the city would have to do to do that. But in all the regulations and all the reviews we see at the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board and with the city, for any new uh, construction that's coming in, the city staff looks over everything. They look over the comp plan. They look over the codes. They make sure that everything is in line with this and present that information to the planning board for their to review prior to taking a vote of approval or disapproval or table or uh, send it on to the city council. So I think that's something that we should go forward and recommend, and we might want to think about it and come back to it next month, but uh, I, I think it's something that we should recommend uh, to the planning board because that is our uh, pathway to go forward that they 
uh, urge the city staff to look into this and there may be other incentives that they could offer. Maybe there's something wrong with these that it doesn't, it's not right. I don't know, but those experts would. So uh, that's my proposal. Uh, what, what, what do you think, folks? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Any comments? Any suggestions? Glenn, what, what about you? Well, it sounds good on paper <laughs> to make this recommendation. We would have to attend a, a planning planning board meeting meeting to discuss what they thought might be appropriate. Yes. If now, now that would be something we would go in with our with our proposal, and then they would, I'm sure, take that into consideration, and then go from there. If they thought that this recommendation would restrict new businesses from coming in, we want to hear that. Yes. Yes, we want to hear that. That would be, a, but but I think as an incentive to this, I I, I don't see uh, offering some type of more meaty incentives than are in the package as it exists now. I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Right, and that's yeah, why tax reduction. Right, and that's why my previous the previous item on the agenda for asking the committee if you guys would come up with ideas yes. for revisions to the green building incentive program, and like I mentioned earlier, we'll workshop them. And then when we feel we have a final draft of changes that we want to make, that is when we would take that to the planning board. But I think until we have that final draft of your recommended changes, we should wait until the to go to the planning board until we have that final version. Yes, that sounds like a, a, a pathway. That sounds a way to go. We can incorporate the uh, the uh, uh, car, uh, the electric uh, stations into that also as another item of incentive. Sure. That's a great idea. Do we need to no. make a motion and vote on that, or can we just go forward with that, Jordan, with setting up the workshops first? Well, I was just uh, assuming we would just use next month's meeting, so you have a month to yes. gather your ideas. So we don't really need to set up a, a workshop. We'll just come at next month, and next month with all of your ideas, and then that's when we'll put them together in an outline and review them and come up with a final draft. If it, you know, if we don't have a final draft next month, we can have it um, the month after, maybe. The month after, or sometime right. and thereabouts in the future. We want to make sure we have a, a, a yes. good final copy before we take it to planning board. Exactly. Very good. Absolutely. So everybody, we all uh, pretty much uh, set with that? Sure. Irene? I just wanted to mention to Jordan and Jackie that if the time frame, because you do not meet in November and you meet early in December mm. due to the holidays. Um, yes. You, you do have the option of doing a workshop too, mm -hmm. uh, doing something extra in a month and meeting to kind of move it along. That's always an option. Right. It just has to be advertised on the Absolutely, website. Yeah. And um, yeah. the I only the difference is that yeah. it is open to the public, but the public doesn't speak at a workshop. Um, so if you have, if you have ideas and you're looking for input from the public, much like the landscape um, program we did a few years ago, we posted the suggestions, the ideas on the website and asked the public to comment, and then we compiled those. So that's an option too. Yeah, I think for the first round we should probably take the month to 
to work on it and then when we come back next month if we feel like we need to meet sooner than another month at that point we can we can do a, a yeah. workshop yeah so next month is september and november is uh, right october. shortly thereafter november october. might be the one might be the one we do the workshop in because we don't have an official meeting in november perhaps we do a workshop earlier in november so we do so we could meet then because we will have our december meeting earlier than the regular on, right. on we won't meet on christmas day right okay so that's something we could do to make sure that we're so we do have the opportunity to meet every month coming yeah up so we're, we're what we're talking about is probably in sometime november and maybe early of the month december to get with the planning board to to present it have it in a uh, completion uh, somewhat uh, ready to go package anybody like that idea yes, I do have a question sure. yeah. when we're talking about the green building incentives are we talking about new construction or are we talking about our, uh, uh, business that's already here that can both. do something both both can utilize the incentive program yeah I think it's a good idea new and existing yes. yeah for example if a, uh, a, if the office complex next door here wanted to install a solar energy, then I think that would be something that they could apply for some type of uh, uh, incentive. Of course. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, Any of that, yeah. It would have I, to I, be existing, not right. just new. Right, uh, but I, I think you know, the new buildings especially, they, they're starting out now, and as we've been just saying, retrofitting is always not a, a, an item more in expense they may want to do that right. if they do then you know they could buy into the program okay mm -hmm. the recommendation okay great okay that's uh, that's good that's uh that's that item okay uh now uh uh if we can go on Oh yeah, uh, we skipped uh, things around a little bit, but why don't we go on to the, the next item, which uh, was the Arts Commission and Sculptures. And it was something that I noticed at the art meeting, uh, that we had the Art Commission meeting. And I, I was very happy to see it, and that was the Eagle sculpture that is now gracing the entryway to the city offices. And as I thought about it, I remembered we, you know, I completely forgot about it because that was a long time ago, it seems, in ancient history, before the whole everything stopped meeting and all. And uh, it was sort of out of sight, out of mind. But I noticed it coming out, and oh, what a beautiful, beautiful sculpture, and what a nice place for it right there. But I, as I thought about it more, I thought something was lacking. And what was lacking was any recognition of the work itself, the name of the work, the artist that did it. You go to any artwork, go out to the turtles out front, and the person that painted them, the Arts Commission, it's all out there on a plaque with it. Well, this has nothing. You don't, I, I got in a, it seemed to me it, it could have been purchased at like rooms to go or you know some other place like that where there's there's no notation of who did it okay so i i got with ron, together with ron ron wallace is the sculpture 
And I mentioned it to him, and we worked up a, uh, what I have here is a preliminary uh, little plaque or notation, as you see on artworks, that I'd like to pass around and present to, to you folks to look at and, and see what you think. This is not a final, uh, but it's something that Ron and I worked up. On the first top of it is the name of the work, his name, and then some information of how it was made and how it got there uh, are underneath. So maybe I can just pass this around and everybody can take a look at it. Uh, and, and then we can let the, the city take a look at it. I have another one that I have here that I think is exactly the same okay. also that we worked up. It's the name of the work. Ron Wallace is the artist. And underneath, I, I just say what it, what it is. It was a all natural uh, work he put together. And, uh, and well, yeah. yeah. The well, for name some of it reason, reminds me of a, of a meal at Taco Bell. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Taco Bell. The name of it is Seminole Indian. That's a Seminole Indian word. Yeah. Like I said, it's like Taco Bell. Taco Bell is a Seminole Indian, or is it Mexican? No. <laughs> I have a question. Like a culotta and a chulotta Was there some reason why it wasn't included in initially? Or? I don't remember at the time, but I, I, I know we... All kidding aside, that's a great we idea. We promised, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we promised Ron that we would give him a notation, but I think I'm it just... I how he felt not having it. Nothing, nobody knew anything about it. Well, that's what I, when I looked at it, I was going, I was, first of all, I forgot all about it, and I w opened the door, and there it was right in front of me. I go, wow, that thing's beautiful. And uh, and then uh, I, as I thought about it more, I said, but it's just like it was, you know, purchased uh, online, you know, somewhere. It's an it's a homemade work for, from the sculpture in the area. He's an artist, so the, and he the, should get recognition. So the Seminole Indian word is this, and what does it mean? The Seminole, it's the Seminole word for beautiful view. Maybe that That's should what it be means. incorporated in the. Because it's a, it's an, a, it's a confusing name for most people to look at, but if you would have put in, it's a well, Seminole so Indian word meaning. for yeah. a beautiful place, well, and that, that would could, be wonderful. That could be yeah. That's why I said this is a preliminary. Just Ron and I worked this up. Great, uh, great idea. And uh, that was his name, and uh, we uh, I, we I put it together on the computer and uh, sent yeah. it back to him and he agreed and uh, so that was what I thought we could do but uh, uh, that would be an idea of, of what else we could do. So my question is what do we have to do to uh, Jordan, Irene, right. and so I Jackie? Actually, yeah, I have a few questions. Um, how would this be attached to the sculpture? Did you discuss that? Well, uh, it, it's, I, you know, if it isn't something that children are going to climb on. Uh, it's set in an area where uh, it, it's perfect for viewing. It's, it's in a corner. So it's not a, I don't think it would be a hazard to anyone. What I was thinking of like a framed plaque which would sit on the base 
uh, the, you know, there's that hard base and then it goes up and then there's the sculpture or something that would come around and be placed right in front that way. We would just need specifics of how he would feel comfortable because and how the material would react to having it um, attached to it and whatever kind of material this, the plaque would be made out of um, to make sure that that could be attached to his sculpture. So we would just need to work out those yeah, I, what I what I envisioned with this was just like a like a picture frame mm -hmm. around it, uh, but we could uh, do something else if that's what we would like to do. That was my thought just by when I made it up like that. It's a very rough. Mm -hmm. My artwork is is not as good as maybe other things, but uh, uh, that's what I I put together. Uh, a nice as a preliminary to look at. Good. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting here thinking, why didn't he do that? When he, why didn't he have something on there himself? Yeah. He brought it. Well, that, that just. I don't know. Me. I I don't know why, and I didn't ask him why, but I did say to him, well, no, I take that back because when I met him, when we first looked at that, it was on display at the. Now, they're, unfortunately, the pandemic closed them down. The Palm Coats Arts Foundation uh, building or office that was in the uh, uh, where my marketplace, okay. the city marketplace. I mean, it's where my it's right across from where my gym is, and I see it every day. But they're not there anymore. Mm. But they had monthly art shows, and he had his work on display, and it had his notation, as they all do, on there right now. And we got to talking about it, about the natural uh, uh, items that he used to put it together. And then I mentioned to him that, you know, I'm with the beautification committee, and he said, I'd like to donate it to the city. And I said, great. And then that was it. He brought it here. Remember, uh, yeah. he, he came and, and we looked at it and we said, great, we love it, with Beth. And that was the end of it after that. And I, I, I guess uh, I forgot about it, uh, unfortunately, and, and, uh, until I saw it the other day and it was just stunning. Uh, it was really something that looked like it has a nice place right there. Right. And that would lead me to another thing is who, who would be paying for the plaque? But I would suggest that this come before the um, Arts Commission. I do have a few other items uh, for the Arts Commission, so I will be sending out a, an agenda and a meeting sometime soon for the Arts Commission. So yes. I will add this to my list. I think that's where this, this request should go, is to the Arts Commission. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Let's let the Art Commission look at it and, and see what they think about a presentation. But uh, we can do that. I would like to do that. Everybody uh, with that? Everybody good on that? Any yep. thoughts? Any Excellent reports? idea. Good. Okay. So we don't need a vote on that either. No. <laughs> well, okay. Let's uh, go on to, we went by the climate change or climate change. <laughs> and now we go to committee discussion and staff issues. Anybody staff have anything? We've staff been, doesn't have anything. I think we've had a very good and highly productive meeting tonight. Uh, yes, could, Ed. I go, could I go over the dates again when we're meeting, Irene? It's um, September 20, 23rd, right? Yeah, that's that's the regular time, okay. the, the fourth Thursday. But then October, October is the same. Would be the uh, 28th? 20th, the, fourth, the fourth Thursday. 
Okay, and then um, then November. We don't okay. have one in November. November, November but that we, we could leave as a question mark. For a possible How's everybody's workshop? November? Everybody good for November so far? I don't think that far in advance. It's fine. <laughs> we could leave November as a possible workshop. Yes, as possible the workshop. Uh, and December concluded. is no meeting. No, December we have a meeting. December, I believe, second? would be the 16th. Is that when? correct, Irene? No? The first Thursday of the month. Uh, that oh. Is December 2nd. December 2nd. Yes, we meet December 2nd. That's what we've traditionally done. Okay. Uh, because we don't have a meeting after that. So we would want to have everything approved. Now, uh, what about other uh, city, uh, for example, the planning board? Uh, what, how's their December schedule? They meet regularly the third Wednesday. There is, they don't take a holiday. Um, Third, so do you third have the Wednesday. calendar, Jackie? Of yes. December? December 15th is the date of planning board. December 15th would be planning board meeting. Yes, sir. Okay, well, then we'll shoot for November or December uh, uh, to, to get with them on, on just going back on the uh, green. Uh, I would say December since it's questionable whether or not we'll have a meeting in November if it's a workshop. Um, so I would say probably shoot for December just to give us a little more buffer room. Just in case. I think that's a good idea. And what's everybody think? Everybody good with that? Just as you know, your, um, sorry, Jordan, as the staff liaison for the um, the committee, you probably want to coordinate back with Ray. Yep. To make sure this is scheduled. Yes. In advance yes. for planning board, yes. even if it, the date has to move, it gets on the calendar. Right. When, when does it, when would the planning board have to know no, that we want to make a presentation? It's internally. We have to create the agenda. Yes. And so I'll we have to have that. an agenda item scheduled, and we discuss it, and we move items that aren't ready for presentation. Right. But if it doesn't exist as a placeholder, it's yes. generally not a good thing because it, it may be overlooked. Yes. And we get the calendar, we get the agenda like we do with your committee out a week ahead of time. Okay. And we want to make sure that staff has had time to review the agenda item. And I'll, I'll take care of that, all of that as the, as the liaison, getting the agenda item ready, the package, and getting it on the, on the um, agenda for planning board. So we, we really have to have this, this ready by at the conclusion of our December 2nd Yes. Meeting. Yes. It would they be, have it ready latest. to go, uh, put into your hands uh, yes. to, yes. to move if, it forward. If you were, and your staff liaison would help you with this, but that would include like a PowerPoint or any presentation yes. materials you want. Yes. Yes, that's, a, that's, that's what we And that'll be something we'll work through in the, at the various meetings for the, the incentive program. Well, that's a great idea. Would you be able to come back next month and uh, visit with us for a little while if you want us to talk about this, just to give whatever input you could? Definitely. Okay. That would be great. Uh, one thing I'm going to make, uh, but I want to make sure that the FPC knows that he's working with us. Uh, do you do that? Are you going to let them know? Um, if you want to, if you think there is something needs some kind of paperwork, I can fill out anything you need. 
no, no, they're, they're after hours, but I'm saying for any kind of credit or anything oh, like that, it's three okay. pieces of paper. We'll work it out. Okay, thanks. Okay. Okay, wow. That was very good. Uh, anybody have anything else? Well, I think no. uh, we're at a public comment. I, seeing no one <laughs> approach the podium. I could, I could mention the stormwater project on oh. the canal. And um, a week ago, I had some fellows in my backyard that are doing the construction or the destruction, as you might think. And they, they were telling me of their time schedule. And uh, at the time, they were five houses down from, downstream from my house. They, they they mentioned that they were going to be doing three house three lots a day. So they told me to get ready to move whatever I had to move. And uh, so I said yes, okay. And then they added a, 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 a caveat that they are having a hard time making plans for the future because there's a lot of construction delays of one type or another. So it's been a week and there's been zero work done on that canal. Now in the process of them explaining to me what they were going to do, they happened to, by happenstance, to mention that they said, well, you know, we're going to have a pontoon boat come up the canal and measure the depth of the canal to see how much dredging is necessary. So I nodded, and then later on I was thinking, you're doing this after you do all this destruction, or shouldn't you have known the depth and the extent of the dredging before you started this work? So I was a little taken aback by that comment. Maybe it was a slip of the tongue. Maybe they didn't exactly mean it that way. I don't know. But now, th is this just the construction workers, or is this the engineers and the, the city folks? I mean, yes. maybe the, the, these folks aren't well, as knowledgeable. was in charge of the project, Carmelo. Nice guy, full of, you know, uh, help as far as telling me what the project was like. And a couple of the fellows were, one was in charge of cutting trees, and he mentioned that he gets so much money per tree <laughs> to cut okay. that's needed. Okay, well, just let me stop you right there. Are all the trees gone? No. They all been, they're cut and, and no, they're hauled out? No, they're five houses down from that, from me. But from my house so they're, they're, to their staging area, I would say two-thirds of the trees are already cut and they're just lying around at the moment. They haven't been transported to the staging area where they're cut up or removed yet. Just real quick, Jordan, is there a, a completion date? Or th is this contract or held to any particular uh, time frame? I, I, don't, I don't have that information. You would have to ask the project manager, Carmelo. Um, I don't have any information on, on the but status. But they just seem stalled. You know, and, and that's, that's not my, it's not my business to know anything more than that. But in the pr planning process of them coming up, you know, they warned 
they warned me of when they were coming. And as a homeowner, it's, it's very stressful to get ready for that process. For some owners, it's not stressful at all because they're going to come through and they're not going to do anything. The homeowners aren't. They're just going to watch them take the trees down and do what they're ever going to do. Mm -hmm. But I was concerned with the fact that, you know, they've, they've come up quite a distance from their staging area, maybe, maybe a, a dozen homes, a dozen lots. And whatever they've done so far is for cutting, they, everything is just lying around and it's, mm. it's a mess. So I was hoping that they would, you know, be moving trees, they cut, they would bring them back, they'd cut them up and then move along and move along, but I just don't see it. So I'm thinking, as they told me, they said, don't worry, it's going to look beautiful when we're done. We're going to slope everything down. And I know, she, they said, I know it's disturbing for you because you have to know that in order to make an omelet, we have to break eggs. So I said, okay. But when they said we're going to slope it down and sod it, and that'll look really good, my comment to them, because mm. I'm not a happy camper here, uh, my comment was, I think it looks pretty good now. Mm. But mm. I understand they have to bring their equipment up and they have to do some serious destruction before they make it better. Mm. So I'm just concerned that the final project might, with the sloping and the sodding, maybe that will be done in a year. That's my fear, that it's going to take that long for them to figure out how to do all this, <laughs> judging by what they've done already. Mm. So Well, I, that's why I was wondering about yeah, uh, I agree. A, that's a, a time frame. I, I mean, uh, you can't, because of the weather and conditions, things of that nature, you can't really keep anybody in our area to a... Uh, out doing outside work like that, you can't say you got to be done by next month hmm. because maybe we'll be having floods and hurricanes, and, and those are uh, it's understandable uh, changes. But uh, and I'm just concerned, you know, when you see so much destruction and so many trees lying around and so much soil exposed, is how much more soil is going to be washed into that hmm. canal that they're going to have to remove? You know, if I was doing my yard only, I would certainly make sure I could get something done and fixed before I move on upstream. But again, well, I'm not a stormwater I, I, guy. I think uh, we we got to go with uh, the engineer on this. Sure. He, he knows what he knows what he's doing. He's done these projects before, so uh, he uh, he should know that uh, if you strip everything away and then leave it through a storm season. Uh, uh, there's going to be quite a bit of uh, maybe additional dredging that will need to be done. So I, I would hope thought, that uh, everything is uh, understanding of that and it would move along. But uh, they, these are some, that's a, it's a big project. And uh, is. you, you got to, uh, uh, I guess, I guess they have to take it slow. Uh, now, um, you said in a week, no work has been done that you can see. Uh, Oh, and they're concerned about environmental issues too. You know, they on the other side of my canal, my canal, the canal, is a wetland that 
leads to the golf course. Yes, we, we so looked was, at that. They uh, told me they can't, they can't touch that wetland. I said, okay. I just Why would they touch the wetland? If it's the wetland is, is well, not there are a lot the, of trees on both sides of the canal. They can't cut the trees that are on the wetland side of the no, canal? No, they can't. In the city easement? Correct. The, the regulation, they said they can't touch anything in the canal. That's a wetland. That's an official wetland. In Connecticut, I was Inland's Wetlands Chairman for my city, mm. and we had some pretty stiff regulations about yeah. who can cut wetland materials well, away. Well, we have those regulations also, I think, uh, uh, as far as the conservation area. So I said, okay, I, I get the fact that you can't take your machine and go across the canal and cut some of those trees either. I get it. So, and they mentioned the other issues about if there was an eagle's nest nearby, they might have a three-month delay mm. as they assess that issue. Yes, that would have to be an assessment. So I was hoping I could find an eagle nest. That's what I was about property. to ask you: is, is there an eagle's nest nearby? I could put one up. Wait a minute! Your back is in no condition to put an eagle's nest. Mm -hmm. up. The back is okay now. <laughs> you climb a, it's about a eighty foot tree. tree. Putting branches up to make it look like a nest would get me in trouble. I, I, I my wife would kill I wouldn't me. Have, well, your wife was right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's the okay. status of my comments about this huge mm -hmm. stormwater project that is that's very disruptive to the environment at the moment. Well. As, uh, as you said, uh, they have assured you that it will be uh, nice when it's completed. So sometimes uh, these projects are uh, uh, something that has to be done. If it's got to be dredged, there is, uh, you know, a thought that there's a lot of dredging that needs to be done. And dredging is good and bad for the environment. Sure. Uh, because, uh, if, for example, the canal that's by my home, the Bel Air Canal, I believe it is, it's called. It, it has to be have, have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, muck and a lot of uh, sure. uh, somewhat uh, shallowed up because of. And uh, I, the other day, I'm hearing this noise inside the house. And I, I'm like, what is going on? It sounds like somebody's chopping down the woods behind my side. I go out and I hear it. And then I, I hear the noise going up behind there. It's the, the sucker machine that sucks up the, uh, uh -huh. the, uh, the, all the algae, the algal growth. And then I look at the growth. I look at the canal now. I say, oh boy, it's so nice and clean. But this is this is an item that that is is tough to deal with uh, because it from an environmental standpoint. Sure. Uh, and that was what we've discussed here before about we've discussed it a lot with Robin with yours. And I you know I every time I see that and the weather real warm, you know now there's a lot of water there, but when the water level goes down, the out and the fertilizers and all the and the clippings and everything's going into the water that is a perfect environment for sucking oxygen out of the water and just killing everything one of our green incentives well <laughs> you know seriously well, that's if you're going to ask a company uh, to put something that conserves energy up on their building 
we could just as easily make a recommendation that fertilizers be limited in certain areas. It's the same thing. It's a green well, that, project. That, that's a green project. It's more of an environmental issue than a construction or new development issue. So I, I think I, I, I wouldn't want to get into that with what we're doing now. I think we should stick with that. But I agree with you that w that should, could be something that we could very well look at and, and examine and maybe make some recommendations in that area. But I think with this program, we better just stick with what we're talking about so far. So I'm done. Anyway. Thank you for that input. Anybody have any thoughts on that or anything else? Well, I Motion to adjourn. Thank you. Bob makes a motion to adjourn. Second. Seconded by Ed. Do it. Third. Thirded. And uh, okay. And so uh, I guess I uh, do. I take a vote. You take a vote. No, no vote. You're adjourned. You're adjourned. No, okay. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. You know, when I was teaching about